Hello, welcome to Talking Fit. I'm Paul Rose. I'm joined as ever by Luke Morgan. And today we are joined by Simon James from Run the Wild. Simon, thank you very much for joining us. Welcome to the show. In just two or three minutes, tell us a little bit about yourself and, and Run the Wild. Sure. So um, I'm in the fortunate position that I work in the outdoors uh, full time. Uh, that wasn't always the case. I used to work in London. I worked in London for 15 years. And um, I got into the outdoors actually through some friends some clients at the time who got me into running a bit of a cliche story. I put on quite a bit of weight and um, struggling to keep that off. And so I signed up for a 54 mile walk in Scotland um, on one fairly silly drunken night in a pub with a client and um, find out the next day that actually it was going to be a run. And so I found myself up in Scotland having only run like eight miles before and uh completed the 54 miles felt pretty awful but got hooked and so uh, that's where my running started and uh, mountaineering was a similar sort of uh, part of that story as well so i kind of got into mountaineering a similar sort of time and then got into high altitude mountaineering a lot and so it was it was through that that i found a, rid, a sort of an antidote to my to my work life and i loved it so much that it was something i i wanted to do full time and so kind of made a few steps towards doing that. And I started a company called Run the Wild seven years ago, which was designed really to bring that kind of expedition environment that you get from being in the mountains uh, alongside running. And at the time, seven years ago, there was really only races. No one else was doing guided trail runs. And I remember having a conversation, getting insurance for the company and the person just completely not understanding what on earth I was talking about. Um, so, but obviously now it's become more popular and, um, you know, last year we had uh, around about 600 clients and this year, obviously COVID can't, can't get away without mentioning that, but, um, you know, still been a popular year for us in the UK and we're in a really fortunate situation that we can actually get clients out running. And I think it's so important. I've become more and more impassioned by, um, being in the outdoors and run the wild was not just about running it was about experiencing the wild so we see um, people getting trail running as part of a journey and, and connecting with nature and giving themselves um, sort of uh, a, you know mental a mental health break really getting out into the green space I think that's really really important and so the combination of activity and nature I think is something that is probably the best kind of activity that you can do out there, particularly during a pandemic. So um, kind of that's a whistle-stop tour really of, of how Run the World came about. But um, I, still, I still run a lot, but I've had a few uh, problems along my journey with running as well. And I had hip surgery five years ago and um, actually was told at the time I wasn't going to run again. So Lots of things that I learned from that. Uh, fortunately, I am running again, but it's made me appreciate, I think, even more uh, the importance of, of staying positive, of activity. And I think it's also helped me appreciate, you know, that the inclusivity uh, that we need to present for, for runners, that it doesn't matter ability, background, uh, whatever, uh, that running is a state of mind um, and not just a, a physicality. So, um, we're really fortunate we get runners from all over all over the country and all over in all over the world when we're out in the Alps and um, that really for me is fills my what I used to do with my racing days uh, that fills me uh, really with that kind of sense of achievement uh, which I used to get before. Your, uh, your company slogan is exploring places not running races so what what prompted you to take that approach um, so obviously there are races popping up all over the place and then that's been the trend for a few years now um, but like you said right at the start the, the kind of guided trails no competition is it's growing but it's still it's not the biggest part of of the running scene if you like that's right yeah interesting story so um uh i was when i came up with the idea of run the wild i was actually stumbling off manaslu which is one of these eight thousand meter peaks and i just sort of spent a year climbing and running and um it was in a hypoxic state which is always a great eye great plan you're gonna have when you're starved of oxygen and uh, so run the wild popped into my head it's like you know this is this is something i need to do when i get back home and um as i was kind of writing up the business plan for it which was 
really based you know on the back literally of a napkin and I've, one of the things I said I'm not going to do we're never going to do races and so I was writing this down and yeah exploring places not running races came came in there and when I was talking to the website designer it was like what you need to stick with that that is something fundamental uh, to to what you're going to be and 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 it's true you know we very much believe that and I think 2020 unfortunately obviously for race directors is the year of exploring places not running races and you know we find that it's something that people are really embracing that they they like that concept uh, because it takes away the pressure and you actually you know racing is it's just one facet of our, uh, of our, you know, running life, as it were. And I think what people have done, unfortunately, is lost the love for running sometimes. We've all been there. <laughs> and, uh, and actually just leaving the watch at home and just running uh, in nature and just enjoying it and enjoying being with people is, is what it's all about. So that's where that kind of motto uh, sticks with us. Now trademarked, of course. Yeah, so your events, a lot of your your particularly your local events, certainly for what I see on on social media, and I've, I did your brewery trail run last year as well. A lot of them are aimed. I don't know if they're aimed towards, but they attract a lot of you, the kind of the more novice crowd and people being introduced to it as well. Um, just trying to you know get into running and into trail running and I imagine there's a lot of people probably finding you now who have done lockdown couch to 5k's and are looking for something more at the other end of the spectrum do you find you also get a lot of clients who are perhaps doing big ultras and are are looking for people to help them scout routes and going okay they're, they're doing guided around here let's have a look at what that stage is like without having to worry about spending the the whole time with their the face in a map yeah yeah definitely I think um interesting I think probably when we again first started out we wanted to give people bang for their buck so we started with a, a 50 50 mile uh, route over two days and we just realized that actually although it was um definitely giving people value for money they were out running all the time um then actually it was only one small part of of the world of running and if we wanted to get more people running uh, then we need to make our events very very inclusive so yeah we we do have a lot of people who come along who've never done any running before or never done any trail running before um so our events start i think at around 6k is the um the, the smallest distance that we run at the moment Although, in fact, we have a 3K at our Christmas charity run, uh, which is a family a family 3K. But, um, yeah, we go all the way up to running around Mont Blanc. And we've, you know, we've had pro athletes come running with us. We've had the Nike Pro team. Uh, we've run with Tom Evans, and, uh, and who won the CCC uh, a couple of years back. Hayden Hawks, probably one of the best trail runners in the world. We've guided him around the Chilterns. Um, so we've had some amazing uh, people that have come and run with us. And, um, and I think that's, that's been, uh, you know, impressive to see how they also run and, and their interaction with, with trail running. But I think it's, it's a journey and it's something that everyone is sort of on their journey. They never get to their sort of destination, really. Um, so we try and be with, with them on every step. So I would say the kind of the, 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 the toughest stuff that we do is, is really in the Alps. And um, it's such an amazing place to visit because you have this huge contrast between these glaciated white peaks um, and these lush green valleys, um, you know, kind of at at the base of the mountains. And, you know, our clients get to run along these epic balcony paths, Um, but it requires a lot more from them. They need to be switched on. They need to have kind of done a bit of the rudiments of of running. Um, And, you know, so, you know, all of those things are, are part of that journey, but you, you take it step by step. And, and once you, you follow that path, then you can do that more difficult, more challenging, but also more rewarding uh, trips as well. Um, so, yeah, we try, and, we try and be there for everyone. I'm, I'm not as quick as I used to be, but I used to be pretty quick-ish um, in an amateurish way. So, um, you know, we try, and, we try and sort of emulate what our client's doing. But I work with some amazing guides in the Alps. Alistair, who works, he's worked with us for, for many years. He was, I think, 12th in, in, the, in TDS 
Uh, he's probably, yeah, and he was 17th in the Tour de Gion, which maybe some of your listeners haven't heard of, but is, um, is basically over, over a 200 mile race in the Italian, uh, Italian Alps. And uh, yeah, he's just uh, incredible, yeah, incredible stories to tell. And I think that's a big part of um, being a trail running guide is that you've had these experiences that, um, that clients can relate to, look up to. Uh, you know, um, it's what we do as a job. And I think it's important that we've had a wide range of experiences. Um, but also, you know, we've got uh, a lot of clients that live locally, um, a lot of guides, sorry, that live locally here. Uh, you know, and their experiences are very different, but also are very relatable then to people who are just starting out. So that's how we try and cover the whole spectrum of what people are, are looking to do. Yeah, I think one of the big differences when you compare road running to trail running is the the stories you get from it roads you could go on the most fascinating road in the world it's still a road um, and generally if you're running on roads it, it's generally going to be leading towards the racing side of it you're trading for a half marathon a marathon a 10k whatever it may be and the stories you generally get are from the the race itself we did a one of the first podcasts we did was talking about our own experiences with the London Marathon whereas trail running you can just you've got that freedom to just go off wherever you like and it's, it's the things you see and I know a part of what you do that's perhaps a bit different to many other companies is you will talk about the history and the nature side of things as you go around the trails as well so what kind of led to the decision to include that side of things it was never a decision actually it was always it was just always part of what we thought we should be delivering really and you know I think embracing the environment that you're in does two things one is that you know it's it's an unavoidable consequence of where you are and and it would be such a shame to not learn about it but also you know it's it makes it diverts the attention a little bit from running and I think um, you know, we're not running in a sterile environment, even in the depths of winter, you know, there's a lot to be discovered um, along these trails. And it's something that, you know, you, there's, we, we, we were really fortunate, we produced, a, excuse me, we produced a little mini film a couple of years ago that talks about it. But, you know, it's something that I suppose is deep within all of us, this ability uh, to trail run. And, um, and I think it's, it's yeah it just goes back to our ancestors and how they lived in the wild and I think that's sort of something that we we feel is really important that people should reconnect with nature learn learn to respect nature and um, because you can't unless you you know more about it uh, so yeah you know on our recent trail run we were pointing out all the the wild herbs and it was great because I think there was a couple of runners there which were in my group and they were like we just planted a herb garden in our in our in during lockdown and we just hadn't realized that there were all these herbs that grow wild and it's like, yeah, that's where they came from. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's great with, you know, people then start really connecting um, with, with their environment that they're running through. Um, and it also comes from the Alpine side of things. You know, there is so much, uh, so much history and culture in the area. And actually, I think, uh, I don't know whether I did it for your brewery run, but, um, you know, we talk about, uh, there's a lot, even the beers that are sold in the local brewery, they have a history, a story to them. Um, and there's one that's um, Collie's Dog, which if you come on uh, this year's brewery run or, or perhaps the half marathon run that we have, uh, we, we, we tell you the story of how that all came about. Um, so um, I think people like it. It's, it's fun. I, I love going on. I remember when I was in London, I went on the, was it the Jack the Ripper tour? the walk and it was brilliant I'd lived in London for years and I thought this is amazing just finding out you know you're walking these paths and these streets and you didn't realize uh, that there's all of this history that's in this area um, and so that's what we try and do is bring the area to life uh, and it's not just about the running because um, I don't know why you'd pay me to just take you from A to B uh, I've got to I've got to immerse you in that whole A to B experience um, A to B is just the drive I'm, I'm kind of like the tour guide. That's what I should be, basically. And, and then also teaching how to run along the way. Well, giving you tips, let's say, because you probably already have a good idea, but just giving you an, you know, some extra tools in that box as you run along. During this year where obviously things have changed, has it given you a time to reflect on anything within the business? Or are there going to be any changes 
that you've learned from this tool? Yeah, I think that's that's a that's a good question. Um, yeah, it's definitely changed how we think about things. I think we've really worked hard on uh, the UK uh, side of our trips a lot more and tried to increase the diversity of what we've got there. Obviously, we were limited on the number of people that come along to an event, so we've we've been sitting there for three months. Firstly, doing crazy stuff like I, I dressed up as the Tiger King and then Carol Baskin and did some quizzes when everyone was doing quizzes, made an absolute fool of myself. But um, it just made people laugh, which was fine because, you know, I think we all needed that. Um, so definitely doing things that I thought I'd never, ever do in my life and probably hopefully will never do again. But yeah, we had a lot of time to think about how we can uh, make trips more interesting how we can make them even more inclusive and i think you're starting to see that um come through in our adventures we've also increased increased the guiding team so we've got 11 guides now in the uk uh, that work for us on a regular basis lovely lovely folk and it means that we can you know deliver more uh, to to our to our client base who keep coming back we're really lucky we have about 50 percent each event we have about 50 percent of the runners there our return clients so we need to keep that diversity for them and uh, keep it interesting and fresh for them and so none of our routes complete in one um, repeat in one year we always do a different different route every single event uh, so yeah it's changed it's, it's changed us a lot and i think we've also bonded a lot more as a as a guiding team as well because we've obviously been in chats and quizzes and all these other things that people have done which don't really do anymore but um uh so but yeah i think we understand each other a lot better which is really good too um been a lot more you know um of that and i think we've also connected better with our clients as well so sort of just speaking to them on the phone chatting to them and sort of getting to know them better um as well outside of the events um so it's been emotional <laughs> but uh but i think we've come through it actually stronger so you mentioned your guiding team and how that's that's grown a bit. Mm. What do you look for when you're going out recruiting guides? What are the, the kind of the must-have qualities or traits? I think have to be personable. Um, you know, I, th I think it's you know clients always come first in our minds. Um, they're absolutely uh, really highly important to us, and they're critical to what we do. Being professional as well that's also really important. So being on time, tidy, neat, all those kind of things that um, actually, uh, I've worked in the outdoors now for a few years. Um, we take it for granted working in the indoor environment. If you worked in London and worked in an office, that's sort of the expectation, but it's not actually always the reality of working in the outdoors. So um, bringing that professional environment to the outdoors is really important to me. Um, and then it's, we, we love the diversity, you know, um, we've, we've got a really diverse guiding team and they have different leadership approaches and that's good because I want it to be super diverse because I want it to be as diverse as uh, the clients that come along and, and run with us. Um, you know, and we've got, you know, we've, one of our guides is autistic, but he's brilliant with uh, the, the, the clients and the clients love him and he's actually really encouraged um, people to come out uh, of their cells on, on trails as well and just sort of giving people confidence. We've tried to increase our, uh, our female representation as well. And so, you know, I think it's really important that we, we really do represent everyone in our society. Uh, and so that's what we're going to continue to strive to do if we can uh, as time goes along. And then it's a case of learning the roots and getting the intel down and just sort of uh, but we don't really have any expectation initially on what people should be like if they're joining the team. And that's not what we want to do. So you're embracing them for who they are. Yeah, I think so. That's really important. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, obviously people qualified and all that kind of stuff, but yeah, beyond that, you know, please be who you are. Yeah, very much so. So you mentioned that you, you don't use the same route twice. So mm. how do you go about finding routes is it just when you're out running you'll say oh i wonder what's down there and and then you find something you like go okay we could incorporate this into to this event or listen to that event yeah i mean i've got two dogs 
and I have to go out with them every day or twice a day. So and my wife, she guides and she also works for the wild and, and she runs too. So we just to keep us sane, we have to go and keep finding new routes all the time anyway. Uh, and to be fair, in lockdown, we were discovering a lot more routes, you know, even though we think we kind of know the area really, really well, but we were still finding uh, new footpaths. There's just, you know, almost a limitless amount here in the Chilterns. We're very fortunate. Um, so yeah, we spent a lot of time planning them, putting them together, because it's not just a case of having a route. It's, it's got to be aesthetically interesting as well. Um, and so, yeah, we spend a lot of time, a lot of work on that. Um, and actually my wife's working on one now at the moment uh, for another event that we're going to launch soon. So there's a lot of, you know, when, when you come along to a Run the Wild event, it really is the top of the iceberg that you're seeing. There's loads and loads of work that's gone on in the background. And as soon as we establish a route, everyone's going to learn it. So we go out uh, together as a team if we can, and then everyone keeps on learning it. So, uh, yeah, because you can't have someone getting lost. That's just not, that's not on. I'm not going to be happy if you get lost uh, on my route. So, um, uh, so yeah, that's, that's key for us. So just talk us through some of the, the key events that, that you actually run with Run the Wild. Sure. So um, we have, we have, as I was saying, we have different distances uh, throughout the year and we break those down into the, into the UK, which is a 365 day a year operation. And we've, we've always got events going on each month. And, um, and in between that, we, we do a lot of one-to-ones with people as well, or bespoke trips as well. Um, so I suppose the key ones there, we have a, a half marathon uh, event called discover run the wild half and um that's that's been one of our mainstays for quite a few years now and uh, we also have something called the chiltern hills challenge and the chilterns 30 which uh, is again a longest distance event in um in the in the uk so that's 60k over two days or 30k over one day so those are our kind of our bigger big events in the calendar and then we have lots and lots of different 10Ks, 6Ks. So we recently are completing an intro to trail series, which takes people from running on roads to running on trails, which is, as you say, is a very different experience, requires a lot more coordination, requires a lot more endurance, a bit more kit. And so giving people the confidence to do that. Um, really popular one for us is the summer 10K series. So it's just uh, a 10K in June, July, and August, then we, we get people to sign up to all three. It's just a lot, lots and lots of fun. Um, so those are, our, we've got loads of others. Um, obviously the brewery run, you know, we have a coffee cupping run as well, uh, the women's run, and we've got a few other events that are yet to be announced, uh, but we're just waiting for lockdown to change. Uh, but then in the Alps, it's um, really, I suppose, three, three key events for us. We have a running and yoga event, which is a, a weekend event. Um, stay in a four-star spa hotel and you have a, a two mornings of, of trail running and there is a cheese and wine tasting refreshment stop in there as well which is funny enough very popular uh, followed by yoga uh, or you can do that adventure uh, without the yoga if you prefer uh, that's brilliant it's lots and lots of fun for everyone um, and you get to run next to glaciers and uh, and it doesn't matter actually about ability we because we take people up onto balcony paths which are, are relatively flat um, so and, and then the other trip which we're hopeful will still go ahead still planning for uh, in September is the Tour de Mont Blanc so um, you might have heard of the UTMB series um, so that rather than we're trying to run that in 46 hours we're running it over six days, which is a much more pleasurable experience, I can say from first hand. And so uh, we stay yeah, in little village hotels en route. It's still demanding and it's still an incredible achievement, but it's, yeah, it's uh, yeah, a lot, 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 lot nicer. So we get quite a few people come along to that and tend to find that the groups that come along to that, because we take individuals and, you know, we bring people together as a group and making sure their ability matched keep coming back for different trips every year they've sort of you get you get your new best mate from these trips which is really nice to see when people who've never met each other before find this sort of connection through running I think that's awesome do you have any kind of prerequisites that you insist 
people meet before they go to your your alpine retreats like do, do they need to have some kind of running experience or have done your events in the uk first or is it literally whatever your your level your background you're welcome to go along yeah so um for our weekend events uh we don't mind what um ability you have had um because we can you know we can we can put enough guides to ensure that you're catered for well tour de mont blanc it's not about getting uh, the maximum number of people on that trip it's about making sure that the people go on the trip have an amazing time it's a lot of money there's a lot of time uh, for them and so i speak to every single person that wants to sign up to that trip and have a good half an hour chat with them to make sure that i feel that they have got uh got at least the right training plan to bring them to the point where they can go on the trip or um or they're at the level that they can they can already go um that's really important to me and it, it should be for every company out there that wants to get people doing things that are really challenging um i think anyone even the the pro athletes that we've had come on those trips i found it challenging um but um you know i think it's making sure that people have that time to prepare and seeing where they are and you know understanding that you know most of the time people are working either from home at the moment they're not getting their time on altitude or out on um steep climbs or steep downhills those are the ones that are really the difficult thing actually and so making sure that people have a good training plan uh, and are prepared for that um, means that they're going to really enjoy it uh, rather than coming out and just sort of just about getting round. that's not what we want we want you to be able to get to the top of the hill uh, take a lot of photos and it really to be the trip of a lifetime um, rather than just like, wow, I can't believe I made that. <laughs> so yeah, that's, that's important. So you mentioned UTMB, which is say arguably the most famous, most iconic trail running race in the world or race series in the world. Yeah. Um, what do you think, obviously you, you know, the route or sections of the routes, what do you think makes that such a, an iconic race, such a, a spectacle for so many people? Sure. Um, well, Chamonix, uh, you'll get, if you come to Chamonix, you get the whole spiel. But uh, it's, it's really been uh, since the 1800s, since Alpine, uh, Alpinism was sort of first started, has been a mecca for outdoor sports. And it's no, I don't think it's any coincidence that it's a mecca for trail running now, you know, with the likes of the, you know, the quality of the runners that are out there and, and also made their, their home there, you know, obviously Killian Journey is a, is a big name, not from the area, but, um, you know, lived out there for quite a period of time and, uh, and really made a name for both the race himself and Salomon. And so, uh, you know, that I think was a big turning point for trail running when the UTMB series sort of, kind of really started to gain traction and then the kit started to develop uh, and I remember my first trial running kit was um, I think only Salomon were um, were making shoes and um, they were not the most comfortable trail shoes and um, and there were no running vests they didn't exist uh, you just had your old I don't know Adidas pack that you know 20 quid uh, and there was just it was just a bag wasn't it it was just there was no compartments it was just one big compartment at the back and off you went uh, but now you know you you dressed up looking like a warrior with you know your your trail running poles sticking out the side of your pack and all this stuff in the front of your vest and you know you've got your know, visors and all these kind of bits of kits so people look cool now when they're wearing their kit whereas before it was like Oh dear. <laughs> running was seen as a bit of a sort of a nerdy sport that was kind of, uh, uh, I don't know, uh, slightly aging men in kind of really stale running clubs uh, around the UK. And um, fortunately, that's changed. That whole perception has changed that, you know, it is inclusive. Actually, it could be a lot of fun. Um, and it, it, there's, also, there's also a lot of kit that out that really now helps facilitate that, that's comfortable to wear, that's lightweight. And so uh, UTMB and I think all that they did actually really helped propel that forward into the public, public eye and the public opinion. And I think that's 
help bring money to uh, the industry. Uh, it's still very niche in the, in the grand scheme of things. You know, trail running is a tiny fraction of, of what um, these big running companies uh, turn over. But um, it certainly made, made it a lot easier uh, for everyone else to get out there. But again, for, you know, when we set up Run the Wild, you know, one of the reasons I set up Run the Wild was because I wanted to run around um, Mont Blanc and, and not um, carry my, my bag. And uh, there, there really wasn't any company at the time that was doing that. And I thought this was kind of crazy. So that was one of the reasons why I set up was so that it, it could facilitate those sort of things. Yeah, but now, you know, obviously it's, it's a lot easier to do. So, yeah, the UTMB series, and they've grown as well, haven't they, in the variety of events that they host and certainly, again, also try to make it more inclusive with the shorter distances because, you know, 100 miles is not for everyone. If you don't want to run 100 miles, that's absolutely fine. It doesn't mean you're any less of a runner. Um, so that's, that's been good to see. And then the last thing I think, you know, when you get out there, you just go, wow this place is amazing. I mean, how many places in the world can you sit and have a coffee or a beer and see the top of Mont Blanc, you know, some 3000 meters higher than you, you know, it's just uh, amazing. Uh, it really is an awesome place to go and, and visit. And so I think they just had the perfect combination because there's been many other races that have been in existence uh, that, that didn't get that kind of profile. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, trail running is is something that has hugely benefited from the rise of social media and mm. and you know you've got people like you mentioned Killian John Hay um going and doing these insane downhill sections and just skipping over them like like they're yeah. nothing and making it look so so easy and there'll be a drone flying with a GoPro or something and you just look at it and it it looks so majestic um, seeing someone come down the side of a mountain like that and it's it's inspiring to people whereas 10 15 years ago the technology simply wasn't there to to view things like that you couldn't get a cameraman up there with huge equipment following them unless you had the budget to, to have a helicopter or something and yeah and trail running as you say is still a tiny portion of these big companies incomes they, they can't put the money into viewing things like that or filming things like that or oh, couldn't couldn't then no. um, and i think uh yeah killian Janae is a fantastic example and and all the work he does with salomon um and i think he's a photographer as well isn't he so he yeah that. and he's he works quite closely with sebastian doesn't he sort of uh Seb montaz who does a lot of the filming um no, i think you're i think you're, you're on the money there i think it has because people look at it now almost as an extreme sport. Mm. Um, I mean, I remember going to the, I, going to the climbing wall in, in Mile End and I'm talking up and chatting to the guy there. He's like, oh, I'm just going to get into trail running because I saw this amazing video and it's like awesome and like, wow. And I'm like, well, I'm a trail runner. I'm trying to get more into my climbing because I, I saw this <laughs> video and I thought, wow, it's awesome and stuff. So it was sort of a complete swap. Uh, but um, yeah, no, I think you're right. It just you, you can't not look at those things and go, that's amazing. That is so inspiring. Um, whereas let's face it, you know, you watch some um, road running um, films and unless the backstory is super interesting, which there are some amazing backstories now, Breaking 2, all those, all the, you know, all those ones, they're really well done. But um, you don't even need the backstory. If you've got a great epic shot, haven't you, with, like you say, someone running down a ridge, you know, tearing it up. It's like, wow, it's like an extreme skier. You know, it's, um, yeah, it's just looks really exhilarating which it is yeah that's it and it's, i think it's you know you can get some phenomenal shots from you know, new york marathon berlin marathon london marathon but those shots you could go and take them yourself um and and like you say it's amazing where as well it does not even have to be a stage thing does it it's just here i am yeah yeah a lot of people look up to trail running when they are just getting into running or road running it I think it is being seen now as not necessarily the highest level of running, but it's certainly something that people want to aspire to do. They, they see it as a challenge. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think it is, you know, I was, a, you talk about London Marathon. I think I did London eight times and um, I love London. I think it was, it was, it's a beautiful marathon, great course, so well supported. And I had my PB 
out of London. Uh, that was in 2013. I think I did a 237 or something. And, and I went and did the Mont Blanc marathon a month later and uh, got absolutely hammered. I mean, it was just, I came off that thing. Uh, and I was sort of in my mind, I was like, oh, I could be, I could be, I don't know, top 30 or something. And, uh, and uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't know how long it took me. It was it four hours something. Uh, and it was, that's a whole nother level of running. It's just, you know, <laughs> there was, there was running on a road and then there was running in the mountains and that's just, yeah, so much, much, much harder. <laughs> so, yeah. For me anyway, one of the appeals of trail running, if you have a bad day on the roads, you've had a bad day. If you have a bad day on the trails, there are going to be other things that make it a good day. You, you don't focus solely on your time or your placement. You can still have an amazing time doing it. Whereas if I go and do a Hemel 10K or something, at the end of it, if I haven't gone and got the PB I wanted, I've just been running around Hemel for half hour, 40 minutes. Yeah. It's, it's just not the same as going. And even if it takes you two, three times as long, in, in the lakes or in the Alps or wherever it is, you've got the experience to go alongside it. And it just adds that something extra. Yeah, I, I think so. I think it's, I think it's on so many levels. I think it's the trail is, is always different every day. The weather will be different. You know, every, everything makes it different. It will never be the same. And, um, and, and it is a, it's a full body experience. Like we, we talk about it a lot. We say it's something that engages you spiritually, emotionally, mentally, and physically. And I don't think there's that many sports that perhaps do that all in one, one sitting. And you can come out of a trail run mentally tired because you've had to focus on it. Uh, but like you say, you know, you, you can have a, a bad trail run. I don't even know what that is really. It's sort of, you know, kind of, it's, it's, it's just a trail run. There's always going to be something that perhaps didn't go quite right. You know, you, you just can't plan for everything, isn't there? So, um, and, and it makes the days, I think when, I think that might be the angle, in fact, that a lot of trail running is about it being quite tough. And then when you get that, that perfect run where, you know, you run down that ridge and it just feels a bit easier than it normally does. And you're like, wow, this is what it's all about. Um, and I do think it's a bit like those, you know, skiing or snowboarding or whatever. Like you're just finding that perfect route or something that just like makes it all worthwhile on that nice sunny day. Uh, now I, I completely agree. I think the other thing in trail running, which is different to road running, is is the camaraderie. I think you know when everyone's up there, you know, in the races, they're actually it's a really friendly vibe. Everyone's rooting for everyone else, and I've seen that in road running a bit as well. But I think it's it's on a whole another level in trail running and then obviously moving into ultra running i think it's it's just we're, we it's almost like a religion we have this thing that brings us together and it doesn't matter uh you know what your background or anything is it's running and we're all there together and therefore that that unites us um so that's yeah i think i think most people who do trail running you talk to them about it and they'll get very passionate about it yeah um so sorry about that <laughs> <laughs> um yeah no we had a very similar conversation on the last podcast we did uh talking about the help you'll get from from other runners and i think part of that is because it is less time focused or generally less time focused um it may not be quite the same if you're right at the the front but then that's the same in any sport the, the more more elite it is or the higher level you're performing at the less camaraderie there's going to be with the people you're competing with um, yeah if you're I, kind of a mid mid backpack contender you're there for different reasons um you're, you're there for the experience to enjoy it and and to do the best you can as well but um you know you're you're not going to ignore someone who's broken an ankle on the side of the road no um, exactly I think that's I think that's true, and I think that's that's a good point as well about trail running, and and that's changed. Um, that there are people now at the front that obviously have pushed the boundaries of what can be done in running, and it's become more of a, a competitive sport in that regard. So I think, you know, you're seeing runners turn up now that maybe you know in the elite section that if they think they're not going to win it, they'll probably drop out so that they can then train for the next race. Whereas before it was always, you know 
a DNF, you don't want a DNF. So even if you're kind of literally crawling over the line, keep going, it doesn't matter. And, and you know, mid to back path, I think we all do that still. But um, the elite runners, you know, and that's how they're managing to push their times down and down and down, which is, again, increase the popularity, isn't it? Because it's this, yeah. this fine line of how far we can push it, you know. It's like, yeah, UTMB again, you know, people doing that in 20 hours, even though each year they make it harder, they make it, you know, more ascent and descent, make it longer, and yet the time's still going down. And and you see these, I mean, that is just, yeah, it's it's just in, insane. Now, having run it myself and not had the 20 hour experience, obviously, um, you know, you just, I, yeah, it's, it's mind boggles as to how they can physically do it, but they have to, yeah, push themselves. So yeah, they're probably not gonna, not going to stop and uh, pick someone's bag up if it's fallen off or whatever. I think um, you mentioned the whole body experience and something I will talk about with people ask me about trail running versus road running. I've never got a, a running injury from trail running. I've only ever had it on the road. Um, Luke feel free to jump in here because you're certainly the expert on this side of things. I feel like a big part of that is, is the uneven terrain. You're working muscles in different ways to keep you upright. It's, there's more lateral movement as opposed to running on the road is much more repetitive. It's just one foot in front of the other. The ground's pretty level and pretty flat and it's just the bigger muscles working all the time. Um, I think people really do they take up trail running or they start to dip their their toes into trail running and they find it works their body in a completely different way to what running on the roads does i think you typically have people with stronger ankles stronger hips like you said it's lateral movements and also you're not thinking about like how i maintain this cadence you're like oh shit there's a twig i've got to jump over i've got to jump over this rock and you're constantly in this level of alertness so i think you've already got this level of readiness about you your body's just a lot more alert you're a lot more tuned into your environment um i've probably tripped up more times on the road than i have on the trail which is weird just because i'm a lot more aware and mountain bikers tend to have bigger cars than road cyclists and i think it's very similar if you look at trail runners cars compared to a road runners cars they're just more all-rounded you haven't just got a calf development you've got better perineal development and the the, the the feet strength are a lot typically a lot better as well just from running alone all the guys who all the guys and ladies who are doing the gym stuff as well yes they'll have strength but i think if it's just one if it's just trail versus running typically i find the trail runners have got stronger bodies than the road runners mm. Yeah, I, I that yeah completely concur with that in my my experience as well and i would say in fact that you know, there's many reasons why I damaged my hip, but, um, you know, one of them probably was the repetitive. Uh, I was a bit of a heel striker. Um, and you know, that's just one of those things, but you know, if I now having had my operation, if I run on a road section, I did the other day, actually, I ran down a road section. I'll always come out of that run. I know I'm going to be sore because of the impact, um, of that run. But if I ran the whole run on trail, I'm not going to be sore. And I think it's like you say, you know, when we take people out running and we're, we're looking at f running form, which is what we started doing on the intro to trails. It's like run up a hill slowly. That's your best running form that you can have. Yeah. So you just can't run a trail. Even if you are a heel striker, you can't run that whole trail heel striking. You're going to be forced, aren't you, to change how you pronate. Um, and I'm not saying that's the be all and end all, obviously, but it's just one element, isn't it, that people are aware of. And but yeah, it's definitely a full body experience. Running downhill, sticking your arms out. People are like, oh, I've never used my arms before. That's really achy. Um, or using walking running poles. And you know, I, I'm, I don't know if you guys have read the Uphill Athlete uh, as well, but um, a lot of the stuff in there, they say, you know, if you're a trail runner and you can't do a press up start doing some press ups, you know, you, cause it's, it, there's a whole full body experience. And, you know, you, if you get weak, if you've got weak glutes, you're going to get found out in trail running. Whereas you can hide, can't you, in, in your road running, you can sort of hide into that repetitive movement. 
in my non-informed way. <laughs> but at the same time, I think if you are trail running, you're likely to develop those muscles quicker as well. Yeah. So yeah, I, I agree. If you're going to do nothing and suddenly go on a, on a much further trail run, then you are probably going to get found out. If you're doing all your training on trails, um, probably just going to have better development all rounded. And I've heard that road runners are now starting to do more cross training as a, as trail running from what I understand as well, which, which I think, which is a good idea. Uh, yeah. I, I did read something a couple of months ago that said Mo Farah only does one run a week on the roads now. Um, really? I don't know whether that was true or not. It did seem a little bit OTT, um, but I, I could, could believe that. Yeah. Well, probably pretty quick. The one that he did. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if, if you're training, if you're a Mo Farah or a Kipchoge or one of the, or you're, you know, you're just trying to run fast on the roads, you need to run on the roads because that's where you're going to develop the speed. You're not going to, you, you, you can't run as fast on the trails because you've got to slow down for bends more often. The, the hills are steeper. The, the downhills are steeper. It's just a completely different skill. It's, yeah. it's not, yes, they're both running, but they are two completely different things ultimately. Um, I think where we've seen it impact people is because um, we spend the whole Alps running trails and uh, sorry, the whole summer uh, running trails in the Alps. And um, my wife comes back and she does Abingdon Marathon each year. And for her, it's the step length. So because, you know, if you're running in steep terrain or unstable terrain, then or technical terrain, then you're going to shorten your stride length just become more stable so but obviously in road running you want both your cadence and your stride length don't you to be sort of optimized so I think that's where we find it impacts us more when you're you're on the roads and I but I think it's it's you know again that's sort of the the other way it turns the other way as well road runners then when they hit the trails it's like find it a, a bit frustratingly slower because yeah. obviously they're having to reduce their step length and also there's hills involved and um so yeah i think it's it's i think yeah there are there are elements there to that that makes it makes it harder yeah i think people are often surprised at how hard it is to run downhill they, they think oh downhill well that's easy you know it's the uphill that's hard but when you get onto these real hills the, the really steep stuff in in the alps or wherever it may be it's the downhill where you really get found out that's where you see the the top runners come into their own because they just skip down it like it's not even there whereas someone less experienced will just be digging their heels in and spend the whole time trying to slow them down which it feels like the thing to do when you're starting out you feel safer slowing down but when you actually break it break it down and everything that's happening you're using more energy to make yourself go slower and i think that that really surprises people as well yeah i i mean that that's definitely been, you know, my experience. There's partly, again, another reason why we set up Run the Wild was, you know, trying to get people sort of to understand the differences when you're running downhill. I mean, I, went, I think on the Mont Blanc Marathon, I got to the top of the Agulette and Possette, which is sort of, I suppose it's kind of like the, the, the high point on the sort of about two thirds of the way around. And I thought, oh, great, I'm here now. Now I'm going to do some damage. I'm going to get down this hill. I'm going to take a few, take a few people and uh, go to the top. And then the locals were just like, you know, it was like it was just sort of like a controlled fall. I would explain how they they kind of got down that hill, where I was definitely sort of like gingerly kind of making my way down, and I just got taken so many people uh, past me. So uh, yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And I think just knowing like knowing about moving your weight and how to how to reduce your slope angle by you know putting zigzags in there, thinking on your literally thinking on your feet. Where do you look on that trail? Um, and you know proprioception core strength uh, reaction speeds all those sort of things and, and it's something you've got to practice um, you know Killian doesn't just rock up and uh, you know having not done any of this stuff and, and go down the most technical trail you know he's he's doing this day in and day out yeah. for years and years and years and I think in confidence too you know I don't know of a client actually who went and got um actually got hypnotism therapy and um because she was so frightened of running down trails and i think that plays into a lot of our sort of childhood experiences of 
you get to a certain point where your, your head's too big for your body, you run down something and you fall over and it hurts. And so uh, that sort of fear is kind of in there. And especially as we're adults, I mean, how many times do we go uh, have, a, have a break for playtime uh, during a working day? Uh, I don't think so. Um, so we don't we don't have all that kind of sort of sense of relaxed, free uh, view of of running that we used to have. And um, yeah, she went and got a hypnosis, and um, and she she literally just had it before she came out and did a trip with us in the Alps, and kind of showed her a few more extra techniques, and she was flying down these things and not falling over either. Mm-hmm. So um, I think there's it's a combination between. Yeah, getting your strength right, you know, doing all the strength and conditioning and putting all to, putting that all together with your techniques and then just relaxing and enjoying it and sort of being a bit of a kid again. Um, and, and you, you know, I think that's the other nice thing is when you see people running down these trails, you can see the grin on their face. You know, they can see they're having a great time um, because as soon as you tense up, that's when you're probably going to fall. Um, and um, so, yeah. Yeah. I think uh, you've got to, yeah, you've got to make the most most of them. But having said that, running downhill for three hours at a time is still tough. And um, I, whenever I look at a race, I look at the descent, not the ascent, because the ascent I know I'm going to get up it. It's the descent uh, that that that's what takes me out. I'm just demanding so much of your body. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned poles, and poles are still they're probably still a bit controversial in this country. Um, people have been using them in the Alps and around Europe for forever, but there are still races in the UK where they won't allow them. Or if you turn up with them, people will look at you and say, oh, cheat sticks. Now, they help. They, they definitely do do the job um, if you use them properly. So I imagine you probably come across a lot of people who you'll you'll have poles in your pack and they'll say oh what have you got them for so how do you how do you approach that kind of conversation yeah it's um it's interesting i wrote an article i think it was for runners need about um using running poles and uh, so i like investigating the history of these things and it took me back to kind of neolithic times when <laughs> when man picked up a stick and goes yeah this will actually help me walk a little bit better and um, yeah, it's funny how in the UK we have this this perception of, of of running poles. I think it's partly because you can get around in the UK a lot. Um, you know, in the Chilterns, would I be using running poles? Probably not. Um, but they might help you in a long distance race, and that's you know they're they're just supporting. I completely agree. They definitely help you without doubt. If you're using them properly, you're stealing energy and muscle resource from your upper body. And it's going to help uh, save your legs. So, um, and I wrote, I remember finished writing this article and posting it up to a Facebook forum. And um, well, you're obviously going to get torn apart on a Facebook forum anyway. But the first thing that came, came in was the fact that England Athletics uh, does allow them, apparently, even though I thought it wasn't. It's just the fact that by default, it doesn't allow them. So a race director apparently can actually allow them uh, but anyway uh, all that controversy aside yeah you're right there's there's a lot of um a lot of people that look down on them uh and see it as cheating uh, and in the us as well that's also a view. you don't really see people using um uh, running poles there and i remember doing an ultra over in california and um, i was the only person with running poles i remember running past somebody who was like what's that guy got in his bag? <laughs> it was it's like, they're running balls. <laughs> I'm going to use them later. You'll see. <laughs> and um, I just find they are without doubt essential in the Alps. You know, there's a good reason why most of the people that are in, you know, that are winning those races have running poles. And again, I've had it where people have come along to our trips and gone, no, I'm just going to do it on my leg strength. And I'm like, you sure? Well, you know what? Let me know if at the end of the first day, if you want to borrow any poles. And uh, actually, you know, uh, do you mind if I borrow the poles tomorrow? <laughs> like, yeah, absolutely fine. You know, I'm glad you've been honest and told me. But uh, yeah, we do. We do get that. I think it's like you say in the Alps, it's just complete the norm. I, th- I think that's probably because most of the territory out there is it, it's going to make a big difference to you. If you're hiking up 
um, you know, 1200 meters um, over a course of two hours, uh, then yeah, it, it, there's so much benefit that it gives you, not just uh, stealing that energy, but it gives you better form, it gives you a rhythm, it keeps your lungs open because your posture's better. Because uh, the only alternative is really just sort of pushing up off your thighs um, and, and, and sort of marching way up. But there are some places that doesn't lend itself. You know, the vertical K race in the in in Chamonix, they don't allow poles because it's just it's such a small area, and then you have this problem with people getting stabbed by them and things like that. So, uh, and obviously, if there's any kind of scrambling sections as well, that could be a bit difficult. But I think a lot of people don't use them properly. A lot of people go for the very, very cheap ones, which are heavy, and then go, why on earth would you want these? Um, but, you know, I remember using them, the first time I think I used them was in Marathon de Saabs. And I remember talking to one of my friends and I said, you know, what was the one thing that you thought you couldn't have done without during that race? And he goes, the walking poles. They got me to the end. And, uh, and it's so true. Like, you know, they do, you know, when you're really, really, you know, at the end of what you can do, uh, you can still kind of like push yourself along. So I don't think it's all just the uphills. And so, yeah, I'm sure that controversy will always be there. It's just the, I think, a British mentality. And um, and uh, it's it's like the fell racing, the fell racing community versus sky running versus trail running and all these sort of things. There's, there's a purist aspect. So you see it in the Alpine world as well, don't you? Sort of um, just, you know, what what can you get away with, you know, do we get away with no shoes, no clothes? <laughs> you know, how far does this go? <laughs> so, you know, you've got to pick a line and, and what you're comfortable with. I think if they're allowed, then bring them along. And if they're not, then leave them behind. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned Marathon de Saab because I never would have thought of poles being useful on, on the sand as much as anything. I would have thought they would just sink straight in and you'd spend the whole time trying to pull them out again. Um, yeah, they would, they, do you know what? Um, Certainly coming into, like, when you're doing the long day, which is 52 miles and 55 degree heat, um, and, you know, yeah, if you're, if you're the lead runner on that, uh, <laughs> on that race, then you're, you're not going to be running with poles. But um, for, for most other people, um, then, yeah, they, they make a difference. They just keep you going to the end. You know, it's the reason why, you know, I, I work as a, as a hiking guide as well. So um, lead people in, you know, lake districts or scotland or wherever uh, and in the alps people being walking poles because uh, it, 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 hel it helps them or even on the flat nordic nordic walking you know it's that's much more that's more towards sort of using energy in a short period of time because it's a full body experience but actually the principle of uh, of kind of supporting your body and keeping you upright i think um, also also helps because it's just saving your legs at that point. But yeah, you're right. It's not the obvious choice. And that when I was, when he told me that I was kind of surprised, um, but different poles, there are different poles for different uses. And I think the ones that we use for marathon to SARS were like, you know, kind of almost like these tent poles, which you pull a string through really, really lightweight would have been useless in the Alps because they're just not strong enough. Uh, but for that experience, they were, they were brilliant. I can't remember. I, remember my, I don't know, a couple hundred grams each, something like that. It was you know, tiny. So just to kind of, finish things up just talk us through some of some of your favorite running experiences and, and places to run be it from racing like like UTMB or Marathon de Saab or or just from going out there and and running sure uh yeah I mean I've I've been really fortunate I've had some in, you know incredible experiences um I suppose some of those first ones that I had you know when I first got really into running back in Scotland I still remember that experience uh that's sort of really my memory uh just so I think that sense of freedom that came from it you know putting on a pack and just going I am completely self-reliant and and see where see where this takes me and I think that's something that I try and emulate in in whatever I do I suppose a couple of couple of key things my UTMB didn't go as according to plan and so I remember literally coming up on the second morning as the sunrise um, over Mont Blanc. And um, just before that, I just had this incredible hallucination uh, as I was walking up um, through to the Tête au Vent. And I called my mate over and I was like, you've got to see this. And we've been walking with, I think, because I, I ran to call my own about 12 hours and then I, I pretty much walked the rest then for, for, for 30 hours. 
And uh, he just sort of like kind of woken up as he was walking along. And I was like, you've got to see this muddy step. It's amazing. And he was like, what is it? What is it? And I said, look, it's this incredible painting. And to me, this sort of muddy step had turned into this really ornate Japanese painting. And then not, uh, not only that, but all these little figures just suddenly popped up into 3D and started running around on this step. And then weirdly enough, he started seeing it as well, which was just like surreal, obviously. And no drugs were involved. So uh, that was definitely kind of one of the things that was a bit of a highlight on the ultra run. Um, but I think there's other things as well where it's not just, not even just the run itself, it's the people that you're with. And, you know, we had... Um, a run over in the Alps a few years back and we stayed up in this high remote refuge and uh, we had a it'd been a really hot day and as a group we just sort of walked up uh, to this ridge line and we were sitting there and um, the sunset was uh, uh, sort of going over Mont Blanc beautiful these beautiful pinks and uh, sort of oranges and um, we were sitting there sipping uh, gelepe which is like a little local liqueur and uh, then this, the Ibex came out from around this corner and we were just sitting there. I was like, this is the most amazing experience ever. And I don't think those sort of things, you just, you kind of don't get really the sort of same appreciation having not done all that sort of stuff during the day and just being in those sort of situations. So, you know, this, those sort of things I find are, yeah, real things that change the way you think about life and, um, and also kind of, bond you to that experience forevermore. Um, so again, through Run the Wild, that's, that's what we want to do. We, we know that's achievable in trail running. I think it takes you to those levels that um, I think you just don't get in many other, any, many other ways. You see it in some other extreme sports, of course, um, but I think it's those sort of experiences, both the, the, where you're at, the time and the context and the people that you're with that, that really make those experiences incredible and we try we try to convey that in um in that little film that we did the spirit of trail running uh, of, of the fact that you know it's just about getting out there really and and those experiences come uh, with you everyone's got a story about trail running haven't they if they've gone trail running even if it's just that morning uh, this thing happened and then that happened and and i think that's that's pretty awesome luke anything to add i just again it's like listening to everything that i think <laughs> When it comes to, we do this quite a lot. I don't, I don't tend to talk a lot because I spend the whole time just listening and I'm just enjoying the stories. And um, yeah, it's so many things I agree with. Um, what's the next step for you guys as a business? Um, well, we've got a few more, a few more events to announce. Hopefully, um, as soon as lockdown eases. Um, we we just want more and more people to be able to experience our events. So uh, we are trying to to increase the, our, I suppose our spread of who who knows about us. I think what we do is well, what people tell us what we do is really really good. So uh, and that's how people tell us is either by booking again or you know or, or giving that feedback. And so far, it's just been incredibly positive. Um, and we'll have been going seven years um, in in the next month. And so just really continuing what we do, but building on that, we've got quite an exciting uh, announcement about an affiliation coming up um, at the beginning of September, which I can't reveal yet. Um, but that's going to be a big game changer for us, I think, um, we hope. And that will be really, uh, I think, make a big impact as well for our clients in a positive way. We've got a couple of big events that we're looking to announce. We're going to come back with our Christmas charity run, um, hopefully for this year. Obviously, with COVID, we just don't know. But, you know, that was that was really good. Um, but we're going to continue to make that an annual event. I think it's a really great community event. And um, that's something that we want to have. Um, in sort of Tring uh, going forward every year. We want people to be more and more active. We think it's so good for their health. And, you know, it was the one thing that we were legally allowed to do, in fact, encouraged to do in lockdown, wasn't it? Exercise. So, um, and it's, you know, with what, 30% of the country still obese. Um, I think, you know, we people need more and more opportunity and more and more encouragement uh, to get out and get uh, exercising. So we want to be part of that. Um, and then hopefully we'll have a, another announcement for summer for next year as well in the UK, 
which would be something quite exciting. But I can't tell you about that either yet because I haven't finished planning it. But um, yeah, we've got lots of things happening, but we're going to continue doing what we've been doing because it's been working. But we want to we want to expand uh, what we're doing and, and um, make it even more inclusive um, if we can. Brilliant. Um, Simon, thank you very much for coming on. It's been really good having you. Thank you. Where can people go to find out more about you and, and Run the Wild? Sure. So um, there's a few ways, obviously, uh, runthewild.co.uk. Uh, we have all our adventures listed on there, uh, both in the UK and also in the Alps. And, um, you know, if you stay up to date with that, you'll see that, you know, we're continually adding new uh, adventures on there. We're on Facebook as well as Run the Wild. And we're on Instagram at Run the Wild UK. And so, yeah, do follow us on all of those channels. We have a Strava club who doesn't. Um, so you can find us there too. Um, but yeah, we, we want to make sure that we're connecting with everyone. We, we love hearing from people, love hearing about people's running experiences. And um, those are the best ways to, to get in touch. Perfect. Luke, same question. Yeah, so zenanatomy.co.uk and on Instagram is zen underscore anatomy. Facebook is zen anatomy sports therapy. We need to get a consistent one across all of them. Um, yeah, that's where I update everything. Uh, website, you can pretty much find everything you need. Where can people find you, Paul? Uh, I'm at Paul Rose PT across the board, paulrosept.com. And we've also now got the Instagram for the podcast, which is at talkingfit pod so uh yeah check us out uh thanks for listening and we will see you or speak to you next time goodbye <laughs>